Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. How's it going, Ryan? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited Great. to talk about the Final Quest special, yes, finally. Yes, me too. I know it's a big one. We've got lots yeah. to talk about. A- absolutely. And um, so I-, I think, um, you know, for any new listeners out there, uh, we're we're obviously doing this out of order. We kicked off the ElfQuest Show podcast with um, issue number two. And so what we're doing tonight is um, episode two is going to be covering the Final Quest special that came out several months ago. But we want to yeah. do some catch up so that we can, you know, get everything that's happening in all of the issues of the Final Quest sort of documented in this podcast. So uh, before we dive in, though, I did want to say um, just thanks to all of the listeners who listened to our first episode and gave us really great feedback on the ElfQuest forums on, at ElfQuest.com, also on the ElfQuest Facebook pages. Um, Ryan and I um, were uh, totally ecstatic about Long the away. reaction that folks got. Yeah, yeah. particularly the really great um, response that that Wendy and Richard had. Um, you know, obviously we're fans and we want to make sure that we do Elf Mom and Elf Pop Proud and, <laughs> um, and you never know. So, so yeah. thank you to, to Wendy and Richard for all of the really great support and feedback feedback and um you Huge know just really use yeah yeah it's and really great to get get that feedback for sure yeah yeah and yeah well, uh, and just the the positive uh response from everybody it was so encouraging um it's our first podcast i think it's your first podcast too right it, it is. I mean, I, yeah. I have been I have been a guest on other podcasts yeah. in sort of my professional life, but mm-hmm. um, but I've never actually been part of executing one. And I will yeah. say the big thanks goes to you, Ryan, because oh, this was your you. idea. You're the one who's, um, you know, like I said in the first episode, doing all the magic behind the scenes, producing this thing, getting it up on SoundCloud. Um, I'm just the guy that gets to yap and talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't do it without you. And huge thank you as well to uh, Rob uh, Bishiza. Yeah, Bishiza. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Man, I have problems pronouncing names. Eh? I'm, <laughs> well, listen, I'm realizing that. <laughs> that is a great segue into the, 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 before we get to the Final Quest special. The other thing that I wanted to talk about. Now, if you guys listened to the first episode, you you probably caught um, our little bit of a conversation about pronunciation. Um, you know, this is a, a written work. It's obviously visual too, but you know, we generally don't have sound associated with ElfQuest, and some of these names can be pronounced in many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, as we were talking, um, we were talking about one particular character who whose name we have now had confirmed is pronounced Larrigan. Yes. But Ryan, in his reading, was you know pronounced it. Larigen. Yeah. And so what was interesting is that Richard piped up after we posted the episode and confirmed that it is a hard G sound. So, yeah. you know, so I had knows? to eat crow. It was very yeah. tasty. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, I'm sure you are not alone in, in name pronunciation. So um, or, or, you know, mixing things up. And, you know, the other thing is, is that one of the cool things about ElfQuest is that there are fans all over the world. So we're mm-hmm. all coming at this story written in English, 
um, with names influenced from God knows what cultures, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, I, I, one of the other things that came out is that, you know, some of the names that uh, Joellen Auglandis created, mm-hmm. like Tyr and Larry, kind of have a germ, yeah, have kind of have a German influence. Yeah, and it was and so, Dreamcat on uh, the SoundCloud comments who uh, let us know that it, they're all, uh, they are German based. Um, they have a, a derivation from the German, so that's right. interesting. Is, yeah, yeah, I think it's totally neat, and um, and so so yes, yeah, so we we do know that it is pronounced Larrigan, and if you follow the 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 ElfQuest forums, um, it might have actually been talked about on Facebook too. There was this notion, this idea that maybe we'll actually record, have like official recordings of the characters' names. You know, maybe straight from Wendy and Richard themselves, but maybe recorded by us or fans or whatever. That so would be really who, cool. Who knows what will happen with that? Um, well, there's all know. sorts of guides like that on uh, YouTube for different fandom um, pronunciation guides. Uh, I think it was Annabelle, actually, Annabelle Diaz on Facebook, who mentioned that that would be a good idea. So a uh, shout uh, yeah. out to her. Yeah, um, well, you know, and, and I, I honestly, I have to admit, I had no idea that this was something that other fandoms did. So yeah. I mean, hey, who 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 knows what could happen? She so. mentioned Outlander, which is a, a series of books. Uh, I think it's coming out as a, a television series soon too. But um, yeah, cool. it's kind of a an example of of what you can do with pronunciation guides for characters. The other the other uh, name was um, uh, Ember's soul name, which oh, we right, were pronouncing yeah. as Zeal, yeah, um, but right. that was corrected as well from Elf Pop Richard. Uh, right. Gilles, I I believe, is the correct pronunciation yes absolutely and you know um, th- this this is uh, here here's where i get to eat crow a little bit um is that <laughs> good for, it's for, not for, just me yeah for years and years and years i was pronouncing the elf's name as zanti with a hard z but his name is also spelled zh and i actually heard wendy pronounce it and she pronounced it janti okay so it's you the know same what? sort of zh sound that is is a sort of a soft like a zh versus a zh so it's the same thing. I, yeah. I heard you say that in the last episode, and I didn't say anything because I was too embarrassed at that point with all the uh, <laughs> mistakes I'd been making with characters' names. But um, I I meant to ask you about that because I had no idea. I had always pronounced his name as Zanti. Right. I so did it's, too. It's Zanti. It's kind of a J sound. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Um, the it, it actually it once you know whenever you are saying a name in your head and it might not be quite the right pronunciation there there's sometimes it's hard to kind of bridge into what you learn is the new pronunciation but the more i thought about it the more it just was actually so much more fitting a Mm -hmm. hard z sound is kind of you know it's harsh sounding yeah and so for a character like jaunty who is he you know he's just sort of he's kind of yeah soft mellow guy Mm -hmm. like the soft sound actually is a lot more fitting, I think. Definitely, yeah, yeah. It, it's very fitting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's the you know the beginnings of our pronunciation guide. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Somebody's um, got to do that. If it's not us, somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and 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 you know, I, 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 let's not commit to doing that because we got a lot oh, on our plate with yeah. this issue. But <laughs> but if we don't end up doing it or participating in it, I'm sure there are others out there, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> that might be interested in making it happen. So, um, all right. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about was also related to our first episode, again, dealing with issue number two of the final quest. Mm-hmm. And it was our discussion about, you know, not really quite getting what the hell Ember was thinking, yeah. giving herself up to the Junsman. Yeah. And so some... we, we had talked about that on the podcast. And yeah, then I had we problems you know, with her decisions in that issue. 
as did I. And so we, you know, we put the podcast out and who should comment on this, Mm -hmm. but none other than Wendy herself. And it was actually really, really fascinating because, um, you know, she, she, she kind of added a little bit of context and, and, and explained that, you know, and, and this was to her like, like a kind of like a duh, like a no brainer. Yeah. And it might be, and, and she called this out that, you know, you kind of have to think like a woman in love. <laughs> you and I, Ryan, are obviously not women. Nope. And so um, maybe there is sort of, like, sort of yeah, a gender thing going on there where, where, you know, to Wendy, she was like, well, obviously, she, Ember was trying to protect Tyr because mm. he was right there. He was so shocked and stunned by this, by the firebolt of recognition. The, the Junsmen are like advancing. Mender is right there. And it's already been screamed out by the Jun, like, get get the healer elf, get the blonde one, right? And there are two of them, Ember's basically her two loves in her life, but, you know, Tyr probably mm-hmm. a little bit more significantly now that they just recognized, of course. is standing right there. Yeah. She could have, she, and this is what Wendy said, she could have just leapt away into the trees because we all know the elves are ninjas in the woods, right. especially at night, and mm-hmm. saved herself, but the Junsmen wouldn't have followed her, and this, this is the piece that I missed when I read it, that it didn't kind of connect. They, could, they wouldn't have followed her. They would have went right for for Mender and for Tyr, who's sitting there like a sitting duck, completely helpless. She could have fought, but she also, even though elves are are far superior to humans and and could have killed a bunch of them, Mm -hmm. she probably would not have won out in that battle. She would have have sacrificed herself. Well, because she's smart enough to know not to do that. Yeah, and she was already weak from the recognition and or dazed from it, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so in that moment, she was like, all right, what are my options? Mm -hmm. I'm going to surrender... And hope that they're not going to just impale me. And she, you know, she made that gamble, and that's exactly what they did. They took her hostage. Right. So she sacrificed and, her her freedom basically to um, ensure the safety of Tyr and uh, Mender. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and when you read when you go back and read the issue, you know, a few panels later on, like the next page, when Tyr kind of snaps out of it when he realizes that Ember has been captured and freaks out, Mender kind of tackles him and is like, "Whoa, dude!" Like she did this to save you don't you know don't sacrifice yourself and don't don't squander her sacrifice yeah Yeah. so it actually was kind of explained yeah um but we were just too dense to get it i guess (laughs) i guess so i guess so yeah um i it's interesting that it was framed uh wendy framed it as as uh, a woman in love i i would hope that it's not just a a gendered thing per se. I, I I would think that there would be lots of men who would sacrifice themselves for loved ones in that situation. But I also wonder, um, after reading Wendy's explanation, what Cutter would have done in that sort of situation if he would have done the same thing. Maybe maybe it is a, a gender issue, yeah, gender yeah. thing as well. You know? Yeah, it, it could be. You know, and and obviously I think and I I think Wendy would probably agree with this um, that you know her comment was sort of tongue in cheek, but oh um, for sure. But I, I do think, and I think again that Wendy would agree with this, is that you know men and women can read things differently because you know we have different points of view on the world, and 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 within each gender there's a, a huge spectrum of perspectives on things. And so really, what what I took away from that is that you know we all bring our own personal experience to to our you know to our fandom of ElfQuest and reading the story mm-hmm. and and it, it there's almost like a, like an infinite number of of ways to interpret and understand this like amazing story that Wendy and Richard are putting out there really and that's is. kind of that's kind of neat you, you know, know what I, I've I noticed that today actually because I went back and read the special and I picked up on so many different things that I hadn't the first time around 
Right. Um, it's amazing every time you read an, another uh, an issue, um, how many things you realize you missed before or you interpret differently. Differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I think that that is that is a hallmark of of ElfQuest. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge comics reader. I read some other titles, but not as religiously, or certainly not for as long no, as I've read ElfQuest. And I 100% pick up new things, new nuances, new interpretations based on my own experience right. in life yeah. every single time I read ElfQuest. Definitely. Literally every single time. Yeah. And I'm still going back and reading the original Quest you know, periodically and and, and, and be like, oh, wow. And then the other thing that, that plays into that that I think is kind of neat um, and, and bear with me for this analogy mm-hmm. is that I actually kind of think of this sort of sprawling 36 plus year multi author and artist saga of ElfQuest as kind of like the glider's great egg in oh, this yeah. sense that, you know, mm-hmm. you have everything that has kind of come before and like, um, I can't remember if it was Winnowill or Lord Ball that says something to the effect of like each new symbol in the Great Egg changes the meaning of all the others, like the deeper layers. Right. And uh, that's kind of how I feel reading reading Elf Quest is that you know the stuff that we're learning in and, and seeing happen in Final Quest mm-hmm. has an impact and a connection to everything going all the way back to the beginning. Definitely. And um, and some of it is is sort of new developments and I think probably, you know, new inspiration and thinking on the part of Wendy and Richard, but some of it is sort of layers on what's already been built and it really does kind of it changes your interpretation of the stuff that has gone before. And I think that is just so amazing. That is really amazing actually now that you put it like that. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you. I think we're going to see a lot of that happening throughout the course of this series, right? Um, We're going to uh, see past events reinterpreted or um, conveyed in new ways that we hadn't realized were there before. Absolutely, yeah, and and and, you know, reinterpreted and. I'm trying to think of the of the, the yeah. right word yeah. to capture it. It, it, it. It's not necessarily. I don't think there's necessarily going to be reinterpretation no, as that's much the as there is like, um, again, just sort of Revelation. additional layers that yeah. that add a lot more context and meaning and sometimes specificity to yeah. the stuff that has gone before. Um, I mean, we we touched on this last time, mm-hmm. but there's there's obviously something going on with the palace and its in, impact oh, on the characters and and what happens to elves after they die like that's clearly going to be explored in a way um that really hasn't like it, it's sort of a level i think that hasn't really been touched on before well, it's, it's sort changing of been, them fundamentally lita right. mentioned that in this issue actually exactly. we'll get to that at uh, this right yeah episode yeah, and it, yeah. i mean and, and and even in just all the teasers that wendy and richard have put out about the final quest and sort of like the the the, the crux of the of the 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 conflict being this sort of be careful what you wish for like mm-hmm. you know the palace versus the, the the wolf rider's way of life and and all that kind of stuff and so i think we're gonna get a lot deeper into a lot of those issues that have kind of been hinted at since the very beginning, but never kind of really fully explored and never, um, you know, they, there's not a lot of specificity that we have gotten. I think we're going to get that. Yeah. And that, that is going to change how we read, you know, one eyes death and what happens to him. And that's going to change how we think about, um, I don't know, Winnow will and, you know, why she didn't just get sucked right back into the palace right. if all the elf spirits are tied to the palace. That's what right. that is, I have no idea, but 
I, I, that's that's my prediction. That's my guess. And well, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, about the story kind of being like the great egg. Every time there's mm-hmm. a new development, it changes the meaning a little bit subtly, sometimes not so subtly, of everything that's gone before. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like you say, I think we're really going to get a sense of that a real um, – it's going to be very uh, specific in this series that we're going to get that sense Right. That what's come before is affected by everything that happens in the now. Yeah. And and the other thing that I just thought of this as I was saying that Mm -hmm. is that what a great example of how organic the story of ElfQuest is. Yeah. And this is something, too, that um, I mean, this is probably a topic that we could have an entire podcast on. But Mm -hmm. it just strikes me so strongly that the way that Wendy and Richard tell and create ElfQuest is it really truly is sort of an organic process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with a lot of particularly fantasy um, stories that are out there that, um, that, that fans in particular assume that, you know, a, a, and critics too, for that matter, that it has to be done in sort of the Tolkien way mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe even the George R.R. R. Martin way where yeah. you have this very rigid, well thought out, like, uh, well thought out is not the right phrase, but like no, just no. sort of like rigidly planned with everything set in stone and it's black and white. And there's all of these like algorithms. Very specific that rules. With, right. Yeah. Very yeah. specific rules. And and it, and I just don't think that's that is not the way that Wendy and Richard tell ElfQuest. I think it, there's a balance in the way that they tell ElfQuest because there is some of that still. And it, mm-hmm. it works within the context of the entire story. Like we know that as far as powers are concerned, for instance, there's specific powers and elves can do certain things with those abilities. Um, but it, it's not so set in stone that there aren't um, that things can't change or that there aren't uh, different manifestations of certain abilities. Right. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Well, and I, I think too. I mean, I, I think to me one of the biggest examples is how, especially with this issue, just to bring it back to the Final Quest mm-hmm. special. Because I think this is one of the first times that we have seen this. And now that we have six months under our belt, kind of thinking about it, it, it actually makes a lot more sense. Um, is, is, you know, the Final Quest special comes out. It is the first time that all of the various ElfQuest storylines from, again, many different artists, many different storytellers, writers, are now kind of coming back under one umbrella. Yes. And it's 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 kind of all of these seeds that Wendy and Richard sowed that went to seed themselves, you know, kind of scattering out into the world. Um, it, there's one my eye? dog. <laughs> oh, no, um, one eye. Uh, Night Runner? <laughs> yeah, more like Choplicker. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but, but so, so all of these story seeds have, have, have been out there and they're floating around. Some of them have germinated in fans' minds and, and, and we ourselves have kind of kind of built upon them and so now finally with the final quest special wendy and richard are kind of gathering all of that back in and thinking like all right we gotta we gotta tell a cohesive tale um we've got to focus on the main story arc which is cutter's hero's journey what do we do with all this stuff and so i really feel like the final quest special you know does that it kind of weaves the thread back through the most important elements and characters and storylines that have happened over the last 20 years or so since lots of different storylines were told yeah and and wendy and richard very clearly are you know they're not they're not shackling themselves to sort of 
in quotes, what has gone before, particularly yeah. stuff that kind of came out, uh, again, other other people's vision. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very clear in the Final Quest spe- special that they are, they're not afraid to sort of edit. They're not afraid to, it, using this sort of organic uh, metaphor, you know, pruning some stuff out that might not fit with their grander vision of ElfQuest. Oh, for sure. Um, or, 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 you know, maybe even to take a magic analogy to kind of shape that, this storyline in the same way that a plant shaper would shape a tree and make it grow in the way that they want it to grow. Even if that means that, you know, this detail or thing that maybe went before, you know, isn't really relevant anymore. They've decided to change it. And that is something that I think is kind of a hard pill to swallow for most, again, fantasy sci-fi fans who are so wedded to this idea that Wendy and Richard back in 1977 sat down and like etched in stone every single, you know, burp of every single character mm-hmm. all the way through to the and end. had and a master not... plan and yeah, now they're yeah. going off book. But they have said, though, um, on various forums that they had a an idea of everything, the way that this would all turn out eventually. Um, Wendy said that she knows what's going to happen in the final quest for like 20 years um but like you say they're not so wedded to the to what that plan is that they can't allow for change or or be able to um manipulate different things or change what they originally intended or work it into that um tapestry right and 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 i and i think that um yeah, obviously they, they it's very clear. I think all the way going back to the beginning, they knew where the where sort of Cutter's hero's journey was gonna end. Yeah. Did they know again every single little nuanced detail? No. no. And that no. would be boring if they did. I like, mean I wonder if they knew about the wave dancers, if they had an, any intention of bringing in a tribe like that from the very right. beginning. I kind I doubt it. That's a great example. Because here's my take on that. Is I think it like and I think that Wendy has always been enamored of sort of mer people, you know, sea elves, whatever you well, want to call like them. Only like fairy folk, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like well before she even started telling ElfQuest, like, yeah. you only have to go and look at some of some of her art mm-hmm. from pre-ElfQuest days. And here's a great plug for the ElfQuest forums on ElfQuest.com. There is an amazing thread called Nostalgia yeah. that is mostly – um, created and shepherded by a participant called Spirit of the Water, and Spirit is mm-hmm. amazing. He like digs up all of these really, really obscure. rare, obscure pieces of mm-hmm. Wendy art and and ElfQuest art in general. Yeah, it's very um, cool. And he's yeah, he's posted so many really old pieces of Wendy's art, and and mm-hmm. lo and behold, mm-hmm. there are a lot of these sort of scaled mer people type. And so you know when you look at a character like Snakeskin, mm-hmm. and you're like. Oh, that's interesting. Where did that come from? Yeah. Like, do I think that Wendy sat in 1977 or even in the 90s when she and Richard kind of plotted out the final quest and said, "Oh, we're going to have mer elves?" Mm, probably not. I don't but think that, so. But that sort of mm-hmm. general type of character and even that specific character design has roots all the way back to the beginning. And again, it's so organic. It's not like they're they're boxing themselves in there and they're saying like this is going to be it period, you know, no change whatever over the course of 36 plus years mm-hmm. i mean i think that would that would hurt ElfQuest. oh definitely and i and i have a lot of respect for them for allowing that kind of fluidity yeah into the way that they tell the story yes while while having this sort of they do have a grand plan like yes. you said and obviously they have their own you know sort of rule book and internal consistency and all of those things but they're not afraid to sort of push the envelope or shock us with maybe changing what we thought was the way and if you know and so i i think i think again the Final Quest special is a really great example of how 
in order to kind of weave in all of these many, many different characters and storylines and, and questions that were sowed over the course of the years, mm-hmm. you know, some of which we're not going to get answers to. And I think that's another thing that's a tough pill to swallow yeah, for some fans. But, um, but I actually think that that's a great thing. And you, I don't know, I'm curious about your thought on this, Ryan. Like, I uh, love the fact that, that we're not going to get answers to every single question. I, I'm, I'm sure. actually stickler for stuff like that. That drives me crazy when creators <laughs> don't answer all of my questions. <laughs> I, I, like, I bang my head against the wall. Yeah, like, do not ask me about Lost, the TV show, because, oh, God, yeah. man, like, no, I couldn't handle the ending of that series. Well, you know what? Well, you know what's funny is that, um, you know, I'm a Virgo, and... I, I actually fit the Virgo description to a T. And so, yes, it actually does. I'm right there with you. I'm like, must have everything, you know, <laughs> concisely like answered yeah. and like tied up and like put in its box and then move on to the next thing. But I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. being an ElfQuest fan yeah. has essentially beaten that out of me mm-hmm. because even if they could, even if they wanted to, which they don't, it doesn't seem Wendy and Richard are not going to give us every answer. And I think that's actually an earmark of a good storyteller. You know, again, like we've heard... We've heard Wendy and Richard both say that the final quest has to do with all of these various characters, the 600 plus named characters or whatever. But but if they're going to tell a good story, mm-hmm. it, you know, you need to focus. You need to have a protagonist. Definitely. You need to have, you know, you need to have this sort of, sort of arc. And by default, mm-hmm. that means that as much as we would we fans would love it and as much as it would delight like the uber elf quest geeks like us to see, you know, I don't know, new star like have a story just about her. Like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think new star yeah. is a, is going to be a background character and she's going to be the elfiest elf and all that stuff. Yeah. And like, that's just it for sure. And I, I just, you know what I want to know, please <laughs> is the history of the go backs. That's what I really want. I want to wow. know where they came from, what Willow green's trickery was all of right. that. I want that laid out in yep. the story for me. I That's do what too. I want. I do too. Whether or not we're going to get that, it's my I, one I, thing. I, yeah, I, I, I could, I couldn't tell you, but, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we've definitely, like, we know that Kavi is going to play into the final quest. I know. That's and, why I'm hoping that somehow that whole story yeah. figures into her right. story yeah. somehow. I'm hoping. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, my sense is that Wendy and Richard have an overarching master plan that they've always had and they're sticking to that overarching master plan it's just the details that change or they're Absolutely. open to um changing yeah and, and and you know the other thing too that that they've said over the years is, is this whole notion of elf quest being the the self quest right and mm-hmm. being being very autobiographical for them yeah and i mean who who would not be a different person after 30 years of living and so that is clearly reflected in a their own experiences, and and this actually has a specific manifestation in the final quest special, which we will get to. Are you talking um, about the scene with Chitter? Oh, I, 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 that, that there's two of them. I'm just talking about Rafael's fate. Oh, but the scene with Chitter is another perfect example of how Wendy and Richard work their own personal experiences into the story. But yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be different, and who wouldn't have a different perspective on the world after? Again, thirty-six plus years, right? Of and and the, and the fact that they allow themselves the fluidity in their storytelling to incorporate that again, I just think makes Elfquest an even stronger tale. Yeah, I think all good storytellers allow for that to happen. You you yeah. have to allow for your personal experiences in life to affect your story. Otherwise, it's not authentic. 
Absolutely, yeah. All right, so with that said, <laughs> we're probably – I don't even know how far along we in, are, are into the story or to the podcast, but let's dive into – good ways, but it's – that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think so too. But Before we get into the, discussing the actual issue though, I just want to say that um, it's my goal in every podcast from now on to mention the orgy scene at least once. <laughs> and we did it last time. Done. <laughs> and so this right now is this episode's uh, mention. So going forward, I just want to let you know that that's my intention. Okay. Okay. I'm totally down with that. Good. I mean, what would ElfQuest be without the infinite it's, orgy? I mean, come on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So now you've planted that seed in the back of my brain, and I'll be thinking of funny, witty ways to bring it up. In our <laughs> Good. At least funny and witty to myself, but... Um, well, here's what I was thinking we could do. Like, why don't we just kind of walk through the Final Quest special yeah. um, and talk about just the events and our reaction to them, uh, basically in kind of chronological order. And I think um, we'll kind of touch on all these important points that uh, that are worth discussing. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. I've got so, it open on my iPad, so okay, set cool. to go. You know, I, um, I have chosen to have the physical issue in front of me for this because I found, like, clicking around was too difficult to do it in the first uh, the first episode. So, yeah. um, so, so I've got my paper copy in front of me. Okay. You've got your iPad copy. Yes. Um, all right. So first thing that happened in final quest special is Shuna has a baby. Mm, yes. Um, and so the first thing I want to talk about that is, yeah. I think it was in searcher and the sword yeah. where she, Shuna actually mm-hmm. says, I don't, I don't feel like I have being a mother yeah, in me. I exactly. So, so what here's changed? A, I, I I don't know what changed. She um, met she met Ikopek or B, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, then, and, and, yeah. and maybe that's sexy times. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what kind of birth control they have in on the world's <laughs> two moons. You know, but I guess maybe she didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Well, I, well, what what what, what the, <laughs> elf <laughs> or actually human birth control in in ElfQuest aside, what what this is to me, <clears throat> and I might be wrong on this is what we were just talking about, about Wendy and Richard giving themselves the permission mm-hmm. to sort of grow and adapt the story the way that they see it. Yeah. And so I, I have no idea if this is the case, but, you know, maybe that is what that the, the, the character of Shuna was telling them in when they were doing the Searcher and the Sword. And now when they're telling the final quest, maybe they felt like, well, you know what? Really, Shuna and B should have a kid. Yeah. And so she's going to evolve. She's going to change her sure. mind. And, and that happens to people, right? They think, oh, I'm never yeah. going to have kids. And then they have like 10 kids. Exactly. Especially when they don't have birth control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so that, that was the first thing that um, that kind of struck me in that scene. Me too. And then, and then the second thing mm-hmm. is, um, well, there actually, there's a whole bunch of things. There, there's, there's, you know, Shuna still being wedded to her human culture and and to Bee's human culture and this sort of idea that men can't be present yeah. when you know during this sort of very sort of female thing that's right. happening. Right. Giving well, she birth. mentions uh, in Bee's tribe, women are sent to a birthing hut away from right. all the men. Right. Right. Uh, and I'm, I think there's correlations between earth cultures who do the yep. same type of thing um yeah yeah i like the fact that shuna though doesn't uh want lita to be sending her good vibes healing right vibes the entire time she wants to feel 
the birth pangs. So she still wants to be connected to her humanity in that sense. Right. It's interesting yep. that she's chosen to do that despite having lived with the elves for so long right. and really become a part of the Wolfrider tribe. Well, I just I think that line is so telling, um, or, or or that event is so telling, and and the specific line is that you know she says we humans are born to this like all ordinary creatures. Right. It's so enlightening about her perspective on 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 these beings, on this you know these elves, these characters that mm-hmm. she is now you know at this point living with for years. Like she, and I think this is a very human thing. It makes you, it actually makes Shuna very. Um, uh, relatable yes. is that she she's a human, you yeah. know, and she just like all of us in real life have, you know, we have our hangups and we have just you know stuff that we can't can't let go of. Yeah, and um and no matter what she has seen and experienced, and you know, ha- no matter how much enlightenment that she has, mm-hmm. having lived with the elves, she still, you know, she has her like her her um her training her um you know her sort of her cultural brainwashing, if you will. You know, she grew up for 18 years thinking a certain thing about these beings. Um, and her culture has sort of taught her that they're, you know, sort of these deities, demons or, you know, angels. good spirits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Angels, right. And and even after having the real life experience, she still can't 100% let that go. Yeah. She still sees them as, you know, something beyond the ordinary. Sure, even though they're worldly, which yeah, they are, which sense, right? Yeah. But I just think that's so fascinating. And again, what nuance, right? I mean, what other comic has that kind of thing? I just, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It really is. I love that um, Shen Shen is there too, uh, acting as yep. the the midway for Birther. Um, you know, in her her old role as uh, as the the midwife. Hope yeah, hope. yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's take a little sidebar on Shen Shen. I love Shen Shen. And I am a late life convert to loving Shen Shen, but um, you know, before she was kind of you know a background character. Yeah. She was kind of one just like, a bit. yeah, one note, a little bit ditzy, a little yeah. bit um, gossipy, whatever. But mm-hmm. I think it was actually around Dreamtime where I was like, okay, this, She's got some this, depth. Yeah, there's something more there, yeah. and this is another thing that that Wendy and Richard have said that. Mm-hmm. You know, Shen Shen's story, there's a lot more to go in it. and Yeah, I'm really know. intrigued as to what that means. I know with Dreamtime, her dream specifically has always really intrigued me, and I've always wanted to know what the meaning of it was, and I'm thinking we're going to find out during the final quest yeah. what specifically her, her role is going to be, because Wendy has said that uh, Shen Shen's destiny is uh, bigger than we, we might have thought. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. I'm I'm kind of dying to see her get a little bit more in the limelight, and you know, let's face it, put Lita in a little bit of shade because <laughs> yeah, she she's always lived in the shadow of her big sis, and um, yeah, and I think her time is kind of due, and so definitely. Um, so yeah, so I love that scene. The other thing that I have to say about mm-hmm. it is is again like what comic book series starts out at a huge major story arc with a birth. Yeah. You know, and, and a realistically portrayed birth. There's not, you know, the sirens. It's not it's not sort of a, um, you know, a storytelling device to convey like drama or 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 um, uh, emergency like it is in every other TV show, movie or book where it's like, oh, my God, the baby's coming crisis. And again, that's yeah. the sirens reference or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like It's just sort of like a natural event that's happening. And it's it's not like a cause for concern. It's actually a cause for celebration. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you're I mean, right. Just, we don't see that in hardly any fiction. Right. Not just comic and, books. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, as, as a guy, 
um, who started reading ElfQuest when I was 10 years old, mm-hmm. there's no way that that kind of uh, exposure to, um, I don't know, to, to, to I don't know, I, I, I hate to make it sound trite, but sort of like the feminine perspective, mm-hmm. there's no way that that did not have a profound influence on just the way that I see the world. And right. I think this scene is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's definitely a, a different um, perspective and, and maybe paradigm as far as uh, how we see things. When you're exposed to things like this, especially at a young age, I was 13 when I started reading ElfQuest. Right. Um, and it's the same thing. It kind of gives you a different perspective than what you normally would have received, I think. Right, right. Um, and yeah, the fact absolutely. that Wendy is a female creator... Um, one of the few in comics, mm-hmm. you know, really, she has a very distinctive voice and a very distinctive uh, perspective, and obviously, it's it's um, a feminine one. Uh, it can't help but be, um, right. and that's not to say that she doesn't have uh, masculine qualities that come out in the work. But she's right. a female, and she's created this this magnum opus of hers. Yeah. Um, so it has that perspective, yeah, and it's definitely uh, a different way of seeing things. And you know what? Um, I also think, and what you just said kind of made me made me realize this is that um, I don't know when 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 you set out to have, or if you have an axe to grind with any any issue or any cause or whatever, um, sometimes. I mean, sometimes you can create an amazing work with a, a really powerful message, mm-hmm. but sometimes it can also be a little bit preachy and it can be oftentimes ham-fisted the way yeah. that it's, it's handled, right? Right. And ElfQuest is never, never that. Never. You know, regardless of what um, message that Wendy and Richard are trying to tell or say subtly, whether it's, you know, a message about, you know, gender equality or, you know... Acceptance um, or... Yeah. Yeah. What, what, whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of smart too. I think there's a conscious decision on their part, like, not to make ElfQuest a sort of a political statement. No. In like for the sake of it being a political right. statement, but um, I will bring up I will bring up the Orchie scene again. Yes. Um, you know, I don't think that like they were like again they had an axe to grind with that. I think they were making a point that yeah, you know, love and sex are a beautiful natural thing, and especially juxtaposed against all the violence and whatever and. And that was kind of one of those first examples of where it really became evident of the way that they wanted to treat their story. Definitely. That they wanted to make this point that they weren't they weren't telling the story to make the point, but it's an important point to be made, and they're going to use their story to make it. And there's a huge difference in that. Yeah. And I think that this birth scene with Shuna is just one of many examples over the course of ElfQuest that kind of is a, it just a perfect illustration of that. Well, it feels very natural, and I think that's why you avoid the ham-fistedness um, that you were talking about. It, there, it's not thrown in your face. It's very subtle, right. um, and it, it's organic within the story. So you never yeah. feel like it's being pushed on you in any right. way. And it's yep. almost like if you don't want to see certain things, you you don't have to see them within the story. You took, uh, you took the words out of my mouth, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I was just going to say the same thing. Um, and that's kind of cool. And that, and, you know, that kind of goes back to what we were saying before about there's so much depth and nuance in ElfQuest that, you know, when I was, if I was reading this when I was, like I said, 10 years old, mm-hmm. would I have had these thoughts? Probably not. Um, but no. I, but, but, but I read it now and, and I do. And when I go back and reread, you know, things like, um, uh, 
just the Nightfall and Redlands's relationship. There are I see a lot more than I did than I was when you were than a kid. I did back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As far as things like gender roles, right? Yeah. So I think um, that's the case with all good fiction, though, because there are yeah. novels that I go back and read now that I first read when I was a teenager or a preteen, and you find so many different facets and levels that you never realized were there the first time that you read them. Right. right. Um, and I think that's the mark of good fiction is that it still speaks to you regardless of where you are in life. Right. Well, that's another in- kind of interesting thing. Um, some of the reviews when Final Quest Special came out that I read, several of them, in fact, mm-hmm. made, made sort of comments or references to the fact like th- most of them were pretty much glowing praise. But I, there were definitely some some that said things like, oh, the artwork um, sort of has like a retro feel to it. Or, you know, they might have even used the word dated. And yeah, um, 80s. And, yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and I think that what we're talking about um, gives ElfQuest a sort of timeless quality. I think so, that, too. That regardless of what what the art style looks like and what's in vogue yeah. right now, which maybe isn't this style of art, right. but um, that it gives it does give ElfQuest as a whole this, this again, this sort of timeless quality, Absolutely. Which, is, which is awesome. Yeah, it's so classic. Spe- okay, so speaking of timelessness, yes. within within this birth scene, yeah. um, t- two, two other things kind of come out. Okay. That I think are worth noting. Yes. One is that um, you know this being the first issue of a brand new story story arc mm-hmm. with a new publisher, kind of the first new Elf Quest in several years. Obviously, Wendy and Richard have to make sure that you know any new readers that come on board are you know uh, that they're, that they're given a little bit of context and background. So sure. I thought they they kind of really seamlessly wove in a little bit about who Cutter was with these the, this sort of flashback of key events in Cutter's life. The montage? You mean? Yeah, like, yeah, and like using using old artwork. Well, what I like about that too is that it's uh, a showcase of Wendy's different art styles over the years. Exactly. Which yeah, was a really that's... great way to kind of um, showcase, yeah, she, her what she's done, the, the way that she works. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. 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 So I, I think that's all we need to say about that because that's exactly what I thought too. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that comes out in this scene is this notion of the now of wolf thought yes. that and how it plays out in wolf riders lives. And right. you know, I'll say this is mm-hmm. that this, this, this is something that is introduced in the comics. It doesn't ever really fully, I think get explored in the comics themselves. If you read the yeah. blood of 10 chiefs and anthology mm-hmm. prose stories, mm-hmm. it really gets explored in I, fascinating you know what? ways. I never read the prose stories. I think I read the first book when I was a teenager, but I never read any of the the other ones. So you'll have to be the expert as far as those are uh, concerned. But uh, this, this scene specifically though, that you're talking about with tree stump, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Where they're discussing little patch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're right. The, the now of wolf thought has never really been visualized or explored uh, in any significant way as much as it has been done in the final quest. Well, so far. Uh, okay. Well, I, I have to say this. I have to get this off my chest. Okay. Your your homework is to go read those books. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> because they are really good. I mean, are they? again, they're, yeah. they're, there's there's um But are they canon? By... Cuz I'm very iffy about non-canon work. I I will say this. Okay. You need to read them. Okay. And they're they are canon until they're not. 
<laughs> kind of the way, kind of the way that I read them, and, right. and that's kind of what 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 Wendy and Richard have said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a, in fact, Richard's golden rules yeah. that he that have come up over the years come from the Blood of Ten Chiefs anthologies, and those are number one. Um, let me no see if I get this right. There are no inconsistencies, and rule number two is that if there's an inconsistency, refer to rule one. Right. <laughs> that I think is from like the introduction to the first Blood of Ten Chiefs anthology novel, okay. and I think that's how they treat them. Like they're gonna, you know, they wanted to let these seeds germinate and grow. Sticking with my organic metaphor, as a gardener myself, like I can't help but do that. Um, and they're going to let those things grow and they're going to incorporate some of those where there's like really good thought and idea and weave it into the, the comic tale, which is the core of the canon. Right. Mm -hmm. And if not, you know, some of them might not ever get dealt with. Some of them might turn out to be wrong, you Mm -hmm. know, who knows, but there's, they're, they're, they're totally worth reading. And there are some that are better than others. And there are some that are just kind of absurd and ridiculous. And there are some that are just pretty damn awesome. So I I highly Mm -hmm. recommend it. Even if you have a challenge with kind of reading non-canon stuff, I, I, I think it's totally worth it. It'll actually add a lot of um, uh, depth when you when you go back and read the comics, I think. It's just another example of that sort of great egg uh, metaphor where um, when you read the, the, these books, they give you a lot of context and a lot more um, – I don't know, in-depthness, if you will, yeah. uh, uh, some of the stuff that happens in the comics that just by the very nature of comics storytelling that you can't get into. Sure. And the Now of Wolf Thought is one of those things that get, really gets deeply explored in many of the stories in those those books. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think that, um, I, I, I'll, I'll say this, I think that the, the Wolf Rider storyline, you know, about Bear Claw and, and the creation of Mad Coil was probably the first time where we really saw the real hardcore implications of the now thought, like yeah. we you know where you, 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 the effects of it on, yeah, you, on characters and, and the tribe itself. Right. Right. Where yeah. you live in the moment, which is a beautiful, amazing thing, but there is a downside. And they actually say that Wendy and Richard say that in the final quest special that, um, I mean, here's the page like mortal, but long enduring. If lucky wolf riders, like, Hunter's Nightfall and Red Lance the Plan Shaper live in the now of Wolf Thought. Painful memories fade altogether with time, but so too does learning. In the blessing and curse of forgetfulness, mistakes would be repeated and wrong choices made. And then she brings it back to, or they bring it to back Cutter, to Cutter, who, you know, sort of who being the forget. chief who remembers. Right? But I thought that was so great to, to actually see that referenced. Mm-hmm. And it really goes a long way in my book into pulling in those those extra stories that are told in the blood of ten chiefs anthologies a little bit closer to canon hmm. okay well i'll have to i'll have to give them a shot then at some point yeah. just and promise then, me you're not gonna quiz me or give me an exam on them <laughs> if this is homework all right okay oh. but <laughs> but if and when you do read them yes we're totally doing a podcast okay about about them whether it's sure. the whole thing or storyline by storyline because even though the books came out with sometimes years ago, apart right. and, and a long time ago, yeah. um, there are certain authors that write in each, in each anthology and that they, they take certain characters and they tell their story. There is a consistency there. Which oh, is over the neat. course of the different novels? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah? Some of them are like one-shot stories, yeah. but some of them are the same authors dealing with the same characters mm-hmm. over the course of, what, the six or eight years that those books came out, oh. which is kind of neat. Yeah, that is neat. Um, so specifically in this scene, though, uh, it's Tree Stump mentioning, uh, talking about the birth of uh, Shuna's child. 
and right. and Cutter mentions Little Patch. Yep. Um, and Tree Stump can't remember Little Patch. And I know. Which, there you go. There's the the now wolf thought right there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of and, sad, and, actually. Well, you, yes. This is Little what Patch I was just going to say. Forgotten. Right. And I don't think that they could have picked a better example to make the point than to bring up Little Patch because <laughs> to me. This, that story, um, what was it, Hidden Years number three? Yeah. Um, is probably, probably my hands down, if I had to pick one favorite issue or one favorite story yeah. uh, in all of ElfQuest, mm-hmm. canon, non-canon, it's that story. And it's, it's, it's actually the story that I pick when I'm introducing someone to ElfQuest for the really? first time. Okay. In, part, in part because it's, it's one issue and it's self-contained. Yes. Um, and you don't really need to know who these characters are no. in order to get the message of it. And the word that you just use, it's devastating. It's like sob fest. Yeah, it you, is. You know, it's yeah. like, oh my God. I mean, and, and it really just sums up everything that's good about ElfQuest. Like the love, the light, the stuff that they, that these characters are battling against in their life, you know, sort of the darkness of ignorance. I mm-hmm. mean, that is what ElfQuest is all about. And really about the crux this... of a lot of ElfQuest stories, if not the crux of ElfQuest, which is the um, relationship between humanity and the elves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 how those two sort of character groups are, 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 are symbols mm-hmm. for the, the, the greater struggle in ElfQuest, which is knowledge versus ignorance. Which I think... And empathy versus sort of... Um, xenophobia or whatever the right word is where where right. it's like openness and and willingness to sort of accept and grow together versus like shutting off and closing down um, and when you refer to it as self-quest I think that that story specifically kind of sums it up in a really concise way which is that those two sides of the same coin which is the elves and humanity really represent us as humanity right, yeah. and yeah. our higher selves which is the elves and maybe our more base instinctual selves, which are the humans that are um, represented in the story. Right. And how those two um, sides of ourselves are oftentimes in conflict. Yeah. yeah, And and we try and find a way to balance them or, or um, coalesce them into something better. Um, and I think, I mean, with the the story of Little Patch, we kind of saw that a bit, right? Because he, f- both worlds were made better for it. Uh, exactly, yeah. And he sort of rose above. He kind of transcended um, what the world was giving him. Right. And he did it because he was given these sort of values and this example from the elves. Mm-hmm. And I think what what a great metaphor for the entire story, you know, for us fans to, I, I, for me personally, I think that is, that's something, that's one of the things that makes me stick with ElfQuest and makes me love it is that it really does help, um, you know, it's helped me navigate the world. Yeah, well, there's profound, there's no better way to say it. There's profound truths in, in many of these stories right. that Wendy and well, Richard have created. And here's another um, an, another subject that we could do an entire podcast on mm-hmm. is, you know, this uh, in in many ways speaking from per- from just for me personally, but I suspect for a lot of other fans that this is a story, and 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 I know this sounds kind of crazy and absurd, mm-hmm. but I'm, I say it with dead seriousness that 
this is a you know a story and a mythology that has helped me navigate the world and my life in the way that that like religion does for other people. Oh yeah, no, you know? I get that. That's um, the, there's nothing um, strange about you saying that. I think that's the case for many of uh, ElfQuest fans. Um, I, I mean, we are a niche audience. I think it's very for lack of a better term, cult, cultish, um, without, you know, the, the crazy Kool-Aid and stuff. But, um, right. well, so, have you met some ElfQuest fans? <laughs> <laughs> Love everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, you know, there's, there's definitely, uh, I think something that all of us kind of share as ElfQuest fans and we recognize some of these, these truths that, you know, come through in the stories and, and yeah. resonate with us that, you yeah. know, people who are, and I don't want to sound elitist or anything, but your average comic book reader, I don't think is looking for that necessarily. No, no, not at all. And that, that is also evident in some of the reviews, not only for yeah. the, the special, but for um, some of the, you know, issue number one and issue number two, mm-hmm. generally the reviews that I read and I have a yes. Google alert. So I, I think I read them all and, and, um, most of them were really great and, and glowing, even from people that weren't familiar with ElfQuest. There were like one or two that were like, not for me, I didn't really like it, I didn't get it, or whatever. But they were very, very obviously sort of your typical fanboy superhero reading comics fans. And yeah. clearly, I mean, I, I think ElfQuest can appeal to those types of people, but it's not, I mean, it's just a completely different breed, if you will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the people who are reading X-Men aren't necessarily re- going to want to read uh, ElfQuest. They might. I'm not right. saying that they they don't or that they wouldn't want to, but it's. I think ElfQuest fans are a different type of audience. And I like I say, I think we're niche. It's a very specific yeah. type of reader who wants to read these stories. Yeah, which I think is a, is a, is a sort of a blessing and a curse for Wendy and Richard. I think so, too. I think you know, that has terms- a lot to do with, as far as you might have, been about to mention this but uh the movie or yeah and yep. entertainment media type yeah. deals uh you know it's it's a very specific niche audience and when you know you get with somebody like warner brothers or whoever um who wants to produce a movie they want a built-in audience of millions of people right. who are going to spend you know 20 bucks to go see this on the big screen and uh, i don't know if i might be wrong but i don't think elfquest has those kinds of that kind of audience yeah, yeah, and it's not to say that it couldn't, and no. I think that's where that's where the like the ships pass on the night, where it absolutely could, mm-hmm. if 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 the film or whatever product was sort of dealt with respectfully and um, you know brought all the all the great new stuff to it that it would need in order to get out there in a really big way on the screen, the big or the small screen or whatever. Well, that's but, what I would um, be afraid of, though, is that um, much of what makes it so unique and special would be lost because it would be trying to – whoever would be adapting it would be trying to make right. it into Game of Thrones. You know? Right. Well, and, and this is – and th- and this is the thing that I was just going to say is that it's not just the fans, the fandoms that have this issue. It's the it's the industry as well that don't get what ElfQuest is. Yeah. And so therefore, it's not even like it's not even like it's just like the comic book superhero genre fans that might not sort of make the connection. It's the people that are making the, the, the again the movies, the TV shows, whatever that also don't get it. Right. And so. I don't know what that I don't know what that means what that portends for the future. Yes. All I can say is this is that 
and 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 I suspect from what I have seen Wendy and Richard post um, and write and even say that um, you know whatever will be will be yeah. and and if 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 there's never a movie made then that's not going to be the end of the world Kate and Sarah, I'm fine with that Sarah. Yeah. yeah yeah I would I would actually much rather have an amazing ElfQuest comic tale mm-hmm. told by Wendy and Richard. Um, or maybe a handful of others that are, I really think get ElfQuest, um, both artistically and storytelling wise, than to bend over backwards Hard and down. have, yeah, well, or to have Wendy and Richard devote all of their energies into the, you know, into feeding this, this, the monster, the monster of Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, it just, Godzilla. It, it, yeah. If it never gets into, if it never, I'll put it this way: If there is never an ElfQuest Happy Meal at McDonald's, I'm not gonna oh, cry over that. Yeah, you know? no, I'm f- I'm fine with that. I don't want a McCutter. Right. Yeah. If that double, happened, double I would. I would fully. I would. Yeah. I would fully support it, and I would be happy for Wendy and Richard sure. that, their, that their story and their 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 property was so successful. But for me personally, I'd much rather be sitting here flipping through my Dark Horse comics final quest issues written and created and drawn by wendy and richard me too me too i would much rather that than a a piss poor product that would kind of sully the name of elf quest right right yeah just before we we move on though i just wanted to mention a little patch again um something specific that i noticed uh about wendy um with her artistic choices she seems to gravitate a lot towards um, human characters who are male, who are sensitive, um, lean or skinny, um, uh-huh. very gentle. Uh, and it seems to be something that she continually kind of uh, uh, goes back to. Uh, it's an archetype, her, yeah. Yeah, it's an archetype that she, she really gravitates towards. And I find that interesting from uh, as a reader and a viewer of her art. Um, where her inspiration for that comes from or why she's drawn to that archetype so much. Yeah. Um, because That's... there's there's a little patch, and I was thinking there's... Um, remember Olbar's uh, daughter? Yep. She ran yeah, away like... with that dude yeah. who was the exact same type of build, same kind of guy, very, like, kind of an outcast. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else. Even even uh, the Jun's son right now, this um, Rathal. right. Despite the fact that he might be villainous or weaselly, he's still the same kind of guy, it seems. Mm-hmm. Just in that one panel that we saw him. Right. Uh, he seems like sort of the, the sensitive, kind of quiet type. Right. Well, yeah, this is a, a fascinating question that now you've got my wheels turning a little bit. I mean, I definitely, I think you, you're, you're clearly, you've hit on something. Oh, because and you know who else? It just who? occurred to me. Um, Shuna's son, when we see him grown up. Shukapek, yeah. Shukapek, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, so so it's not just humans too. I mean, again, you've got the you've got the Jantis, you've got the Red Lances, you've got the Chemos. They kind of all fit into this sort of gentle male kind of archetype. Right. Um, the difference, and, though, I think I see with that is that the elves, because they're not human, it's not as um, glaring to me. It's not right. as as dramatic. Whereas when you see male human characters depicted that way, especially in comic books, it's mm-hmm. almost kind of shocking. Because right. you never see that. Well, here's 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 something really interesting. Um, I've never really thought about this before, so I'm just kind of I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, sure. 
I don't know if you if you read Wendy's Mask of the Red Death, her interpretation of the Edgar Allan Poe story. No, I didn't read it. Um, so one of the really interesting things that um, that I that was being introduced to this world of yaoi, yes, which is this genre of of, of Japanese uh, comics and and anime mm-hmm. that deal with you know two two men and their romantic relationship and it you know it goes the whole spectrum from sort of innocent to like really hardcore graphic yeah. um and wendy has said that she's been you know sort of a uh, a fan or a uh, aware of the genre and and she incorporated a lot of that into her retelling of the mask of the red death mm-hmm. and one of the most interesting things is that um you know, she started telling that th- th- this tale. There was a whole forum and a website, just like there is for ElfQuest for the Mask of the Red Death, and um, you know, and and the way that Wendy drew and portrayed the male characters mm-hmm. um, is, it, it, you know, th- 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 I mean, it, 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 she draws in her own style, right? And so there's that. But beyond that, I mean, she made a conscious decision how to design these characters, and there are these very kind of muscular but willowy. Um, ethereal-looking, um, very kind of elfin, high-one-proportioned men. Yes. And I remember saying that, probably on the forum, the Mask of the Red Death forum, something about the fact that, um, you know, this is not, um, for, for me as a gay man, that this is not the necessarily sort of like the, the, the type that attracts me, right? And so mm-hmm. um, there was this whole conversation, because I think it, that might maybe have Wendy, Wendy didn't necessarily anticipate that. Right. Um, and so there was all this conversation about, and this is, I'm getting to my point here, that, um, you know, Wendy's a woman, um, and uh, she, that, that, that there, there, at least for some women, there is, there is some, some sort of something about that type, that body type, and that interaction um, between two men and that that yaoi is actually a genre even though you might think it'd be it, it would be appealing to gay men because mm-hmm. it's about these two guys getting together in a sexual way right um that it's actually the audience for it is not men it's women it's for it's women yeah and so that's really fascinating and i think maybe what you're touching is. on is that that is the manifestation of elf quest of this kind of uh, you know, again, maybe it's an archetypal kind of thing where mm-hmm. there are these sort of um, gentle, effeminate men that that is something that appeals to sort of the feminine aspect, um, whether it be um, you know a sexual thing or not or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that for men, whether you're gay or straight, it might not be something that you necessarily click with. And that's actually kind of amazing too. Right. In that there are characters that that kind of meet everybody's need out there. Right. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought that is interesting. That. No, uh, just that what you're discussing there with yeah. Yaoi. How do you pronounce it? it, it I, it's pronounced Yaoi. Yaoi. Okay. God, I'm bad with the pronunciation <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, it, so, I, it might be tapping into something, right? Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That maybe women have, I think we need to get a whim, a woman on here at some point to discuss these things. <laughs> Absolutely, totally agree. But uh, um, yeah, it 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 could be tapping into something basic like that, right. on a primal level, um, right. and and that archetype is how it manifests, and and right. Wendy is drawn to that archetype, right? And yeah, it's just the way that she naturally tells her stories, sure. and um, yeah, and then maybe that's one of the reasons why ElfQuest is so 
appealing to 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 women, you know, and girls in a way that many other comics aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's that aspect um, in it that whether or not, like, if you're a straight guy or a gay guy or whatever, maybe it just completely goes over our heads. Yeah, <laughs> and. And, and and whatever and that's fine and 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 again that's that's another amazing thing about ElfQuest. You know what I have to say on that point though is that uh, you were talking about reviews that you've been reading. I was surprised at the amount of reviews by men who uh, have said that they're huge fans and that they're they love ElfQuest and they're so excited about this. I listened to a few podcasts actually and it was yeah. all panels of guys talking about yeah. ElfQuest. Yeah. Some of them were like, "Man, ElfQuest is not for me. I I didn't think I could get into this cuz the characters are too cute and all that." Um but then there were other guys who were like, "No, man, this story is amazing and the characters right. are awesome." Um that surprised me because my impression always was that guys kind of uh the guys who liked ElfQuest were few and far between. Yeah, which is well, why you know, when I found you, I was like, "Yes, another guy I can talk to about ElfQuest with." <laughs> let, let, let me tell you something. I, I kind of had the same same thought when I was reading some of these, and I was a little bit also kind of like, "Oh, that's it's kind of like really good to see guys, and not just like random guys, but like geek guys that are into geek culture and comic book culture and all that stuff, right?" But that right there, to me, mm-hmm. is the is the is all you need to know about why ElfQuest has has the potential for mass appeal. Yeah. And this is the thing that goes over, you know, the the, the Hollywood execs heads is that yeah. you can have there the ElfQuest is that good that there is stuff there for that Superman fan. And there is stuff there for that girl who reads nothing but Yaoi. Right. And there's everything in between. Yeah. You just got to treat it with respect and recognize that it's kind of a horse of its own color. There isn't anything else no, out there like it. Nothing. And if you try to cram it into it, you know, the box of what has been done before, yeah. which is unfortunately what Hollywood seems to do, of course. you're going to get it wrong. Yeah. And yeah. And so um, I, I think that's a brilliant example of, you know, the, of what you were just talking about, what you brought up of, of, of that very point that if there was just somebody out there in a position of power that really got it mm-hmm. and, and influence and finances that could say like, let's do this and let's do it the right way. It would happen. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, when it comes to Hollywood execs, right, I, I think we're giving them a bit too much, uh, uh like th- their bottom line is money, you know? Right. So, I mean, it, they're looking at, okay, well, how many explosions can we have in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. You and know. you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to malign Hollywood too much. I mean, they are people, they have jobs, they <laughs> yeah. are experts in their fields. They know a lot more than you and I do True enough. about what need they, what they need to do. It's just a sad reality that they seem to miss so often yeah. um, in, in my book anyway, right. that's just my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, but that's just a common complaint of, of fandoms everywhere, right? Is right. what Hollywood does with the material. But yep, sometimes, sometimes uh, it works. So you know, yeah. hopefully at some point that will happen with ElfQuest. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. We'll see. But like so, you said, if it's just the comics, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on mm-hmm. to uh, – because we're only like three pages in. I know. I had a lot for like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so we're, we're talking about the, the birth of Shukapek, um, of, of Shuna and Bees, Ikopek's son, and um, – the one last thing to say about mm-hmm. it is I just I love the fact that Wendy shows natural birth and, and like this baby comes out. Um, she and we've done we've seen this before when Mender was born and, um, you know, like she's not afraid of like showing what sex the baby is by visually drawing it and, you know, showing in 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 a real way, not like a gross 
overly graphic way, you know, the umbilical cord and, yeah. you know, the, the sort of goo that comes out when a baby's yeah. born. The yeah, fact it's, that not, it's not kind of too gray, gross, but yeah. yeah, but it's real. It's real. Yeah, and I think real. that I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so um, let's talk about the, the, the foreshadowings. Um, you know, now that we're a few, a few issues in, we kind of have a little bit more knowledge about this now. But at the moment when you were first reading the Final Quest special, mm-hmm. this was kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? Is, is Moonshade. Yes. And she has this sort of look pensive on look on her face. Like, you don't really know. Like, all, everyone else is whooping and hollering. And, you know, Tree Stump and Strongbow are fist bumping. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, which I kind of secretly loved. I mean, it's just sort of a, you know, a fun little thing that's thrown in there, but, yeah, um, it's pretty cool. you know, pedal wing is screeching away and, yeah. and, and moonshade is just, she's kind of just quiet. And again, she's got this pensive look on oh, her what's face. What's her problem, man? Yeah. yeah. And it's she's like, like, come what? on, right. you're bringing everybody down moonshade. <laughs> Everyone's trying to party and she's like I, sitting in the corner being depressed. And I know gross. it's like, like, Come on, Moonshade, don't be kill. <laughs> so, so more on that later, I guess. And 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 you know, if you haven't read the subsequent issues, I guess maybe we won't spoil it if you're starting no. this podcast chronologically. But you'll find out more about what's going on with Moonshade later. But this is the first kind of hint that we get of it. Yeah. When um, when that when this issue first came out, everybody was wondering what the hell was going on. Right. That was a big talking point. Um, exactly what's, yeah, yeah. what's the deal with moonshade she does right. kind of get into it by the end of this issue she kind of hints at what her her problem is but right, doesn't right. really explain it fully until um issue one subsequent issues yeah, yeah. so um well do you want to go chronologically or should we just jump ahead and talk about you know, uh, the theme if you will what as far as moonshade is concerned yeah 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 I'm, we might as well yeah Okay, I, I have skipped to the page. This yeah. is why I'm using a physical book. Um, it's on page 57, um, and you know, and they're, and they're they're grieving for the um, the death of Rafael, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit in a minute. Yes. But mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and Strongbow is just like, you know what? Like, it's the way. Like, we live, we die, we go back into the earth. And Moonshade, for probably the first time ever, kind of speaks up and says something contrary to Strongbow, and she says. You know, may your open sending comfort the tribe life, mate. But for me, this is just one more bit of proof of this world's unending harshness. Until now, I've accepted things as they are without protest, but no more. Not when there's another choice. And then she just walks away. Mm-hmm. And Cutter and Strongbow look at each other like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, clearly Moonshade is suddenly, maybe not so suddenly. Um, maybe she, this has been building for a long time. Yeah, she is... We're, we're starting to see um, some depth of character that maybe wasn't um, explored before. Maybe that not because it wasn't there, but now is the time in the story to kind of talk about this. And, yeah. Well, circumstances weren't as they were now. So given the current circumstances, maybe this is what triggered this part of her personality to, to come out. Um, maybe it's right. just, uh, you know, she's changed. People well, change. Well, yeah, people change. And so do ElfQuest characters. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Believe it or not. Hey guys, that's the end of part one of our review of the ElfQuest Final Quest special. Stay tuned for part two. It should be up soon. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. And you can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcasts or any other multimedia projects on jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. 
As always, you can join the discussion on the official forums on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The final quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water.